Good morning, church, and welcome to the wilderness. If you're wondering why we are out here, it's because the prophet Elijah, which is who we're talking about this morning, was out in the wilderness in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. We're out here because we're on a sermon series called Healthy on the Inside. And it was in the wilderness that the prophet Elijah began to experience internal spiritual health. And so that's why we're going to be out here this morning. We're going to learn in the wilderness how we can re-energize and recharge from the inside out. Now, let's be honest. Let's just clear this up. We don't like anything about the, the wilderness. We actively try to avoid the wilderness. It's hot, it's dry, it's dusty, it's dirty, and it's barren. We don't like any of those things. Let's just take the first one. It's hot. If it's above, let's just say 75 degrees in our house, we're thinking it's the end of the world because it's so hot. We turned the AC on full blast. There was a week last uh, summer where we didn't have AC in our apartment for a month and it felt like we were living on the surface of a volcano. We don't like it when it's hot. We also don't like it when we're too dry. So if you were to walk into your bathroom right now, I'm sure like your bathroom is the same as ours. If you were to walk in, you'd find a whole box or a whole bundle of lotions and potions and creams that you put on yourself just so that you don't feel too dry. We also don't like it when it's too dirty, right? Especially now, we don't like it when it's dirty. If, if we feel dirty, we're dousing our hands in hand sanitizer if you can find it. And we're not just dousing our hands, we're dousing our arms, our faces, our legs, our children, our children's dogs, our children's children. We're dousing everything in hand sanitizer because we don't like dirty things. We also don't like barren things, right? Like the, like the toilet paper aisle at the grocery store. We don't like barren things. Like the ice cream section at the uh, grocery store. We don't like barren things. We don't like really anything that associates with the wilderness. We actively try to avoid those things. Bottom line, everything that the wilderness represents, we avoid those things. But this is where everything changed. It was in the wilderness that everything changed for the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, make your way over to 1 Kings chapter 19. And while you're finding your way over, let me just catch you up on everything that's that's going on in this story. So Elijah was a prophet of God in Israel during a time when many and most of the people in Israel didn't follow Jehovah God, Elijah's God. And so in an effort to uh, try to convince these people that his God was the true God, Elijah took all the people, he gathered them up on the top of a mountain, Mount Carmel, and there he uh, built an altar to sacrifice to his God, Jehovah. And it was while he was about to light the fire, Instead of lighting the fire himself or having someone else light the fire, he prayed to God that God would send down fire from heaven and light the fire on that altar himself. And this prayer worked. After Elijah prayed this prayer, God sent down fire from heaven onto that altar and it consumed the altar. A miracle, literally an act of God. And so you would think after experiencing and seeing something like this, that epic happen on the top of a mountain, you would think that 
everyone would turn from the God they were worshiping to Elijah's God, right? Look at verse number two. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse number two. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So I forgot to tell you about the evil, powerful queen that lived in the land of Israel at this time, evil queen Jezebel. So she had no doubt heard or even saw what had happened on this mountain. And yet, you see in verse number two, she hated Elijah even more because of it. The people didn't turn to God. The evil queen didn't turn to God. And if anything, and you see here in verse number two, that she actually put a bounty on his head because of this action by him. So from Elijah's perspective, he had just done this great act. He had just called down fire from heaven. And nobody, nobody, not even the queen, had turned to his God. So from his perspective, it was an absolute failure. He couldn't do anything. So he does the only thing he can do when there's a bounty on your head. He runs. Look at verse number three and four. And when he saw that, Elijah, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, to a city south of him, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said to God, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. So Elijah runs into the desert because he's trying to get away from this evil queen. And he runs into uh, the wilderness, a day's journey into the wilderness. And it probably looked a lot like what this looks like out here. And the first thing we see in our story in verse number three and four, when, when Elijah, the prophet, the great prophet, is in the wilderness, we see his exhaustion. He just collapses underneath of this juniper tree in the middle of nowhere. And then we see he's depressed because he asks God to take his life. He says, God, take my life. There's nothing left here for me. And so he's depressed and he's discouraged. Then you can see that he feels like a failure as well. He says there in verse number four, I am not better than my father's. He feels like he has failed. And then the very act that he's running for his life in the wilderness, it shows that he is also afraid. He's anxious. He's fearing for his life. And you can also see his loneliness. He's out here in the middle of nowhere literally by himself in the wilderness. He is alone. So Elijah had a lot going on on the inside. He wasn't just in a wilderness physically. Watch this. He was in a wilderness spiritually and emotionally on the inside. See, the wilderness here represents where he is and where some of us are on the inside. Don't miss this. The problems and the pressures of life can cause us to live in a wilderness on the inside. 
where we smile and we look good and we look nice on the outside, but on the inside, we're living in a wilderness. On the inside, we're exhausted and lonely and fearful and discouraged. Have you ever been in a wilderness on the inside? This morning, maybe you can relate to the story of the prophet Elijah. Maybe right now you feel exhaustion. You're trying to provide for the family. You're trying to raise your kids. You're trying to do all the things that you know you're supposed to do, and you're just burnt out on the inside. You see, the pressures of life, all the pains and the problems and the pressures of life that come at us, they tempt us and they pull us toward exhaustion and loneliness and fear and anxiety and discouragement and loneliness. The, the, the pressures of life push us towards these things. They, they change our attitude from the inside out. So I told you that our AC wasn't working for, for a month last year. You know, it's amazing how much your attitude changes when there is no AC in the house. Whereas you're, you're typically a nice person, when there's no AC in your house and it's hot, all you want to do is be by yourself. You don't want to be around people. You just want to lay there on your bed and you just want the, the, the vents to turn out cold uh, air. And it just, it turns your attitude. You get angry and irritated at everybody. That's what the pressures and the problems of life do. They turn us from the inside out. They change our attitude from the inside out. And that's what the pains and the pressures of life can do to us. When we're experiencing pain and problems and pressures, we can give in to exhaustion and we can give in to fear and we can give in to anxiety. So the question is, what do we do in those moments when it feels like we're in a wilderness on the inside? What do we do when we're tempted to give in to exhaustion and loneliness and fear and failure? What do we do in those moments? Elijah's story, his story shows us because it's from the point, this point of internal spiritual depletion for Elijah that we uh, are rebuilt and re-energized from the inside out. Look at verse number five and six. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. So after Elijah collapses under this juniper tree in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the wilderness, he falls asleep. He was exhausted. Then the craziest thing happens. An angel shows up. And so maybe you're thinking at this point, oh, an angel shows up. Oh boy, here we go. That angel, he's going to get on Elijah. He's going to get on him. He's going to tell him to get up, stop feeling sorry for himself. That angel is going to maybe, he's going to zap him a little bit. He's going to tell him that he needs to get going. But that's not what the angel does. The angel actually cooks a meal for Elijah. And this is unbelievable. Number one, because who knew there were chef angels out there? We've seen all kinds of angels. We've seen angels that destroy things. We've seen angels that can do some pretty crazy stuff, but angels that can cook. I mean, this, this, this makes the prospect of heaven like so much better because now not only we're going to spend eternity with Jesus, but we're going to be spending eternity with Jesus and there's going to be good food to boot. I mean, there's going to be chef angels. And, and the other thing I wonder is what did the angel make, right? Is this where angel hair pasta came from? Is this where, is this where angel food cake came from? 
What, what kind of chef was he like? Was he like the, the, the Gordon Ramsay type or like the Guy Fieri type where he's just kind of like making diner food and he's making pancakes for, so what did he make? And so, and to top it off, he didn't just cook a meal for Elijah. He, after he wakes Elijah up, he cooks a meal for him. He puts Elijah back to sleep again. This is incredible. And here's my question. Here's my question about this whole fiasco with this angel. Why did God send an angel to do something so insignificant for Elijah, right? Anybody could have done this. God could have sent some other person to help Elijah. Or God could have just told Elijah himself, Hey, Elijah, you're feeling a little tired. Take a sick day. Hey, take a paid day off. Hey, why does he have to send an angel to go tell Elijah to rest? And here's why. Because God wanted to make it very clear to Elijah that what he needed in that moment more than anything else was rest. God wanted it to be, wanted it to be clear to Elijah that he needed rest in that moment. While he was in the wilderness, while he was exhausted and lonely and fearful and hurting on the inside, what he needed the most was rest. So there's a legend about this Greek uh, figure named Aesop, where we get Aesop's fables. And, and one day, a particular man saw Aesop playing childish games with a bunch of kids. And this man started to make fun of Aesop because of the games he was playing with the kids and because he was spending his time so frivolously. And so Aesop, he, he leaves the, the group of kids. He, he takes a bow, he unstrings the bow, and he lays it on the ground. And Aesop says to the man, what is the meaning of me putting this unstrung bow on the ground? Obviously, the man didn't know. So Aesop told him the meaning. He said, when you string up this bow and you leave it strung up, eventually it will break. But if you unstring the bow and you allow it to rest, the bow will be ready the next time you need to use it. You see, what we need more than anything is rest from God. We need rest. We need rest in our life. You need rest in your life. When you're feeling exhausted, when you're feeling stretched and bent in life, what you need is rest. The first question to ask yourself when you feel like you're in a wilderness on the inside is, am I finding rest? Maybe you're thinking, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like that spiritual of a point, pastor. Why, why are you telling me I need rest? Because Jesus himself, told his disciples that they needed rest in Mark chapter 6, verse number 31. Look at that. Jesus says to his, uh, to his disciples, and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much, so much as to eat. Even Jesus recognized the necessity of rest for his disciples, and he led them apart so that they could spend time resting and recharging. And this is still important for us today. Rest needs to be something we observe and prioritize and plan and get this schedule into our day and our week. Not just when it feels like we are feeling burnt out and we're in a wilderness on the inside. This is something we need to schedule into our day and week regardless of how we feel. God wants us to build rhythms of rest into our life. When was the last time you scheduled rest in your day and week? 
When was the last time you scheduled, scheduled rest for you and your spouse? I'm not talking about just sleeping. Rest is more than sleep. Rest is finding time away from the chores and the jobs and the projects and all the things that you have going on and just resting. You see, this is what God gives us to enjoy life. Rest. Maybe you're wondering, maybe you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, that's funny. That's cute. You think we should find rest. You don't know how busy I am. You know what? I don't know how busy you are, but I do know that if you trust God and build and schedule rest into your week, he's going to take care of all the things that you think you're too busy for rest for. God's going to take care of all of that. This is something God has been teaching me in the past six weeks to take time to rest. There is always going to be another thing to do. You can just keep going and going and going, but God wants us to take time away, trust him, and rest. You see, this is what he wanted for Elijah in the wilderness. When Elijah was feeling anxious and burnt out and burnt down, what he needed more than anything was rest. And that's what God wanted to give him. God wants us to build a rhythm of rest into our life. Why? Because that's how we bring glory to him. When we rest, we are able to bring glory to God because we are able to see everything that he's given us. You see, when we're busy, we can't look at all the things that God's given us. We can't appreciate the the fact that God's given us a family and a house and food on our table and clothes on our back. But when we stop and rest, we're able to see all the things that God has given us and we're able to say, it is good. See, and that's what God wants us to say. When we're exhausted on the inside, when we're anxious and fearful and in the wilderness, we're not able to look at everything God's given us and everything he's put in front of us and say it is good. Rest allows us to recharge ourselves and rejoice in God. And this is, this, is this rest a, a part of your week? Is this kind of rest a part of your day? This was the rest that God was teaching Elijah that he needed. Rest so that he could, he could recharge and re-energize from the inside out. We recharge with a rhythm of rest. Now let's look at another kind of rest. Look at verse number 10, 11, and 12. This is another kind of rest. There's another way we recharge as believers. Look at verse number 10, 11, and 12. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. This is what Elijah is telling God. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So after Elijah had eaten and slept and rested, Elijah traveled to a mountain where God was going to talk to him. And, and, and God talks to him as, as Elijah is up on this mountain. He hides himself in a cave. God comes to him and he, and he talks to him and says, what are you doing here? And Elijah, he gives God the, a pity party. He, he tells God all the things. He said, I'm alone. I'm the only one who wants to serve you. It's just me and I'm burnt out and I'm exhausted. And God says, go stand up on the mountain. 
Don't hide here in the cave, stand up on the mountain. And so Elijah goes and stands up on the top of the mountain. Uh, Incidentally, the same mountain that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses in back in Exodus. And so Elijah, the prophet Elijah, stands up on this mountain. And you can just imagine, Elijah, he knows this is the same mountain that, that Moses was on. He's thinking to himself, oh, this is going to be great. God's going to perform some miracle. God's going to do some big thing. And this is going to recharge and re-energize me. This is going to be awesome. And so, I don't know if Elijah had his Facebook Live ready to go to film whatever God was going to do, but God sends a great wind to tear through the mountains and, and rocks broke off of the mountain. They fell down and Elijah's thinking, oh, wow, this is, I'm probably thinking, well, this is amazing. Here comes God, but God wasn't in the wind. And then God sends a great earthquake. An earthquake shakes the mountain. And by this time, he's probably afraid. But God wasn't in the earthquake either. And then a great fire tore through the mountain. But God wasn't in the fire. And then a still, small voice. And God was in the voice. That was God's voice. You see, in that moment, what Elijah needed was not a great miracle from God. What he needed was a moment with God. He didn't need the miracle from God. He needed the moment with God. In this, from this point on in Elijah's life, everything changed. When he heard from God, when he heard the still small voice of God, it absolutely changed the rest of his ministry and the rest of his life. What we need today is not a miracle from God. We don't need God to take all of our problems and pains and pressures away. We think he does, but we don't need him to do that. What we need, we don't need a miracle from God. We need moments with God. We need to spend time resting in God's presence. Have you built time into your day and into your week and into your life to spend moments with God? That's what we need. Often what we need is not a miracle, but a moment. We need a Sabbath with God every day, multiple times a day. It doesn't need to be long, but it just needs to be a time we have and we spend with God. You see Daniel spent three times a day in prayer to God. You see David, King David, in the book of Psalms, spends seven times a day in prayer and in worship to God. You see, this is what we need more than anything in our life life is to stop, to be still. And you see this in Psalm 46, verse number 10. David says, be still and know that I am God. He's telling us, be still and know that he is God. He is always there to be healthy on the inside. What we need more than anything are set moments with God. We need even more than physical and emotional rest is spiritual rest with God. Do you have that time built into your life? If you're feeling exhausted this morning, if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling at the edge in life, if you're feeling discouraged and you feel like a failure and in fear and lonely, what you need is time with God built into your life. You need a Sabbath time every single day and every single week. You know, it's like the camera I'm shooting with right now. This particular brand and model, it tends to overheat quite easily. And so when it overheats, it shuts down. So you know what we need to do? We figured out that we needed to take that battery out. What was powering it was causing most of the heat. We take that battery out and we put another battery in that hooks up to a power source in the wall. So it's not overheating from the inside anymore. All that heat is being transferred out and all the power is being transferred in. So we don't have an overheating problem anymore. 
You know, the same thing is true in our life. What we need this morning is not power from the inside, from ourselves, is we need power from a different source, from Jesus Christ and spending time in rest in his presence. Because often we're overheating in life because we're trying to do it in our own power. God is saying, you would be so much less exhausted, so much less wore out, so much less tired if you would try to live your life in my presence and in my power. That's where you find true rest. You wanna know how to keep from overheating on the inside? You wanna know how to get out of the wilderness on the inside? Find rest in Jesus Christ. Build a rhythm of rest into your life. That's how we stay healthy on the inside.